Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Community of Principles podcast, a conversation to support leaders. I'm your host, Ben Gilpin. Now, let's get this started. Here we go again, Community of Principles podcast. This is Ben Gilpin, and I'm excited to have on a guest today, and I'll get to that guest here in just a moment. But as I usually do, I'll jump on my soapbox for just a quick uh, 30 seconds or so. And the one thing that I just want to challenge leaders and I want leaders to be thinking about is when given the facts, when given all the information, does that bring us together or does it seem to divide us at times? And I say that because I recently read an article and the article is titled Hard Words And it was very interesting because it was talking about the two different camps when it comes to reading. And so you've got whole language and you've got phonemic awareness. And it was really interesting to me as I read that article and I discovered that sometimes in the face of facts and the face of science, sometimes that has the ability to divide us more than bring us together. So just wanted to throw that out there, let you kind of percolate and think about that a little bit. And I would love to hear your comments somewhere along the lines when it comes to that. But enough about me. I've got a phenomenal guest with us today. She has been a MEMSPA member for more than 10 years. She's now in year 11. Welcome Jennifer Mays, Flying Dutchman, Manchester, I'm excited to have you on with us. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks, Ben. It's so great to uh, join you today. And, you know, I could keep going, but I I want you to talk a little bit about yourself. So I'm going to turn it over to you with question number one. First of all, Jennifer, before we get to question one, you know the format, eight questions in eight minutes, right? I do know it. I'm ready. Okay. So we're going to keep this going. Question number one is, how did you get to your current spot And I know this is going to take some twists and turns. So I'm going to turn it over to you. How'd you get to your current spot? Well, this is a a great question. I'm actually from Missouri originally and started my teaching career there. I taught a couple of years in special ed, met this guy and moved to Louisiana and uh, taught in a private school for five years there and did a little special ed at the private school and a second grade job at the private school. He was transferred to Michigan. And so then here I came up to Michigan and got a job teaching in Tecumseh Public Schools. And that's when I started my master's work with Eastern Michigan. And as soon as I finished my master's in ed leadership, I went, I think the principalship is for me. And I started spreading out my resume, a little spray and pray in there. And Manchester picked me up right away. And away we went. And I've been an administrator in Manchester ever since. Wow. And so at Manch, so we'll just go right into question number two. Mm -hmm. Have you done the same thing in all 10, 11 years? I think it's now 11 years. Have you done the same thing all 11 years? Oh, no. We've had lots of changes in our school district. Manchester is a small school. We have less than a thousand students. And so when you work for a small district, you wear many, many hats. And we've also reconfigured a couple of times. So for the most part, I've been an elementary principal uh, with students in grades K through four. Did that for seven years. After Shauna Spickard, I think many of you know Shauna Spickard. She worked at Manchester as well. After she left the middle school, my job went to the middle school and I was uh, working with students in grades five through eight, knowing that the middle school was going to close and it was going to be my job to help the staff and students to make a transition uh, to the elementary and the junior high school and high school. And so I worked at the middle school for a couple of years. And then when it closed, we made my building, the elementary building, a K-6 building last year. 
after we have a new superintendent, we reconfigured again. And now I have babies, an early childhood center that goes from infants all the way to second grade. And it's been a joyous ride. And let me tell you, I have done things from highly qualified and figuring out eighth grade schedules to figuring out daycare and licensing rules. And uh, it's definitely made me well-rounded. You know, what I love is as soon as you started that little journey, you immediately shared that you, the size of your district, but then you also mentioned that in smaller districts, we oftentimes wear multiple hats. And I can imagine as you're listening to this episode, you've got to be nodding your head because I know I see it myself from my actual seat, but I see it from people around me. So Jennifer, I think you're hitting, you just hit the nail on the head, the multiple hats. And that's definitely something that you have done. Okay, let's jump into question number three. Best advice you've ever received? Probably the best advice has been that you can't control what people think. And sometimes you want to. You want them to have the same perspective as you. You want them to be happy or understand where you're coming from. But ultimately, even when you present people with facts, and that's interesting that you talked about that at the beginning of the podcast, you can't control what people think. And so you've just got to let that go. It's so true. It is so true. And, and, you know, it's almost like, tell me this, because Jennifer, you actually were the administrator in a, in a middle school building. One of the things I remember from middle school is the advice I kept hearing from teachers, from adults when I was in middle school is that you can't worry about what everybody else thinks. Right. And, and so I'm hearing some of those same things that you're focusing in as an adult Um, You can't control how they think and you can't, uh, I mean, they're they're not always going to think what you believe or you want to believe. So I think it takes us back to our childhood is what you're, you're reiterating, which I think is spot on. Well, and you know, perceptions are really important and the perceptions of our community and also our colleagues as principals, we do the 360 surveys, many of us do. So perspectives are important and perceptions are, but ultimately we're just not in other people's heads and we have to know and accept that and work with that. Yep. Well said. Okay. Let's get to question four. We'll be almost halfway there. Let's um, go with a favorite quote. Well, you know, it's March's reading month and don't we all have our favorite Dr. Seuss quote somewhere <laughs> in our background? So probably the one that rises to the top is from the Lorax and who says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to change or get better. It's not. And so I think that just speaks volumes to me, but I have to be the change agent, right? I'm got to be the one that cares enough to make something happen. Oh, love it. Love it. And love how you tied that into reading month too. Well done, Jennifer. Question number five, two things most people don't know about Jennifer Mace. (laughs) I love this one. So if you ever met me, this would probably surprise you, but I kind of love machinery. I just do. And I come from Missouri. I told you that earlier. So things like tractors, I kind of love. I worked for the highway department in the state of Missouri when I was going through college and make great money during the summers doing that. Got my commercial driver's license so I could drive big trucks. I have a motorcycle license. I also have my pilot's license. So if you can fly it, drive it, I can do it. Wow. Well, you know, I do know that Manchester is quite rural. Yeah. And so I can see this. However, you are surprising me. That's phenomenal. Love it. Yep, not afraid of it. 
Okay. Well, let's see. How about this one? How about an issue in education that you would love to see fixed? Do you know, now that I'm in the early childhood sector, I hadn't hadn't given it much thought prior to this, but I'm really thinking about preschool these days and uh, whether or not universal preschool is what needs to happen in the U.S. But even with our existing preschool, the tuition often is astounding. You wonder how parents can afford these opportunities to have high quality preschool for our children. And I think all of it stems from the whole third grade literacy law and kids got to pass the reading on M-step and third grade, and then it just backs up from there, right? And so when kids come to kindergarten, we're expecting them to do all kinds of great things. Like you need to know at least 15 lowercase letters, 18 capital letters, whatever that that research that Nell Duke is saying. And you got to be able to uh, have some letter and sound IDs, but we're not making preschool very affordable for our families. And so, and I think our families don't know how to get kids school ready. And then when you look at the free preschool programs, maybe like GSRP, I'm not for sure that their curriculum that's mandated quite matches up with the K-12 system either. And so I think there's more work to do at that early childhood level uh, to prepare kids for kindergarten, or there's more work we need to do at the K-12 level to really meet what the kids' needs are developmentally. Well, and I completely agree with you. Now, the one thing I will say, when we did a, a survey of parents and we also surveyed basically kindergarten and preschool educators, we found that there was a great disconnect between what parents believed needed to be ready to start school and what the schools were actually saying, no, this would be great. And one, here's one example. Mm-hmm. 50% of parents, 50% of parents, and we did this a couple of years ago, believed that it was important to be able to sit and listen to a story. 95% of educators said it was important to be able to sit and listen to a story. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, and then here's on the flip side, 95% of parents said it was critical that their their child could say all the ABCs and count to 10, whereas teachers said, no, that's on the lower end. We can teach that once they get to school. They don't have to know that coming in. Oh. And, and so to me, there, there's a disconnect there because it's more about, you know, can we get students in a position to learn rather than having them come with all these skills, just getting them in a position. So I just found the disconnect was fascinating to me. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you more sometime about that. That is very interesting. It's almost okay, like well, teachers are wanting kids to come with all the social emotional readiness and we'll give them the academics. Yep, yep. We'll take care of the academics. You know, it's like uh, being able to to um, button their pants when they go to the restroom, um, you know, things like that. And, and okay. parents didn't see the importance of that. Parents saw more of the importance of some of these accounting to 20, so to speak, right. and things like that. Right. Just, yeah, it was very fascinating to me when I look at back at that data. Okay, so I digress. We'll get to our next, so we got two to go. Okay. Second to last question. Okay, I'm very curious. Cake or pie? I'm going to do a combination and say cobbler. And my mom used to make a mean peach cobbler. I was just talking about it the other day. And so if you have a nice hot peach cobbler out of the oven and a scoop of vanilla ice cream, oh, that's that's divine. 
<laughs> that is great. So I've, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about fish or chicken. We've done a whole bunch of different things. I just thought, you know what, why not, why not go somewhere where everybody's probably got a stance? So yeah, that was where I went with that one. Okay, last question. And this is, this is always my favorite, just to kind of hear where people go with it. Jennifer, I am positive somebody saw leadership qualities in you before you may have even seen them in yourself. Who was a person that made such a huge impact and, and helped you get to the position you are today? I had to really think about that because it didn't stick out in my head because I, I say it's because I'm from Missouri and I'm a little stubborn and it's the show me state that I feel like when somebody tells me you can't do something, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to show you. And then I achieve it. And I remember having a conversation with my mom before she passed, who was very influential in my life and a phenomenal teacher herself. And I was telling her I was going to graduate school. I was going to become a principal. And she told me she didn't think I would be a very good principal. And it was because she thought I lacked the ability to take on confrontation and that I was a people pleaser and that the position needed somebody who could not always be a people pleaser. I felt like I kind of became a principal to prove my mom wrong a little bit. But when I think about it in high school, I was a, you know, voted most likely to succeed. I was a great student. People expected me to do well. Shauna, I think, saw a lot in me when she was uh, president-elect for MOSPA, decided that I would be a great state and federal relations coordinator and uh, nominated me to fill a position that had been vacated by Stacey Irvin and maybe just became a principal to defy my mom. I'm not for sure. (laughs) I love the principalship and I tell everybody that I meet it's the best job ever. You know what? I, I love the authenticity there. That is, and you know what? It's, because everybody's got a different, everybody's got a different journey. And, you know, for you, for you, sometimes being told you couldn't or you shouldn't was a prime motivator. What? So that I, I love that. And the other spot is, you know, your mom, I'm sure your mom loved you to death. Oh but, yeah. um, but the one thing is, she had no problem being just completely straight with you, yeah. which is which is also another great quality. So I, yeah, I, I really enjoy that story. And that's a unique one because I've talked to dozens of leaders and yours is a little bit unique. And so that's great. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate connecting with you. Like, uh, like I said, you know, you and I have known each other for years. Um, we're actually not that far away from each other. Manchester and, and Jackson are, I mean, I'm on the west side of Jackson. I think we're less than 45 minutes from each other. But yeah, we've we've connected on several different occasions. So I, I appreciate your leadership. I appreciate the fact, Jennifer, that you have worn so many different hats. I always see you at MEMSPA. I see you very involved. And that says a lot. Yeah, you are definitely a dedicated leader that is constantly putting your school, your students, your staff, your community, definitely at the forefront. So thanks for all your leadership and thanks for all you do. You bet. Because if it's not me, if it's not you, then who? You are exactly right. Yep. We have to do it as leaders. Have a great day. Yep. Well, everybody, I uh, I just wanted to say thanks again for listening in. We would love to get your comments, your thoughts, you know, whether it's my little soapbox tangent or finding out that Jennifer likes to uh, handle machinery and drive motorcycles. Uh, please make sure that uh, you jump on social media and give us your take. And also check out on Thursday nights, eight o'clock. Hashtag Memspa chat. Thanks again. Well, thanks again to our guest. Let's continue to connect and reflect because that's what leaders do. Thank you to all of our listeners. Don't forget to check out hashtag Memspa chat Thursday nights 
8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can also find more leadership tools at memspa.org. <laughs>